Pastor Chris's podcast. Believe it or not, I get a little nervous <laughs> before speaking on Youth Sunday, um, still to this day. And I think part of that is it maybe helps me relate to what what the kids are going through because you know they're they're full of butterflies. I remember when I was in youth and I would do the message and I would be very very nervous before it gets started. But um, but every year. Regardless, I am so very proud of each and every youth member who participates in the service. Um, this year, I'm especially thankful for Sarah and for Maya and Abigail and Hank. Um, it's, it's a weird year, y'all, and they were just able to, to step up and help in this in this pandemic. And um, Sarah and Abigail, I messaged them yesterday and said, hey, you guys are willing to speak, and I've got parts that are unspoken for. And so they stepped up and said, what do you want us to do? And so I really appreciate, appreciate y'all for that. Um, this Youth Sunday has certainly looked and felt very different than the Youth Sundays of my past. When I go through old photos, I see choir lofts filled with youth members waiting to take their turn to do their part of the service. There are so many ways that this pandemic has changed our lives. This is a small way, a very small way. Um, Lord willing, this time next year, the choir loft will be filled again, and there will not be designated do not sit here signs on the pews, so the sanctuary will be full. And while we are scarce in participants this year, I know that they are here with us in spirit and in picture. So thank you, Jeremy, again for the pictures. Um, Friday night, I was working on finishing up my message for this morning, and for weeks, I have been preparing for a message about our youth being the future of our church. I had ideas that I had jotted down when they would come to mind, and I was working on putting those ideas together when God took my message on a detour. As I was arranging and adding, I started singing the song, God Forbid, out loud. The only explanation that this song would come to my mind is that God had plans for it to be used this morning. I used to sing it um, some many years ago, but haven't thought of it for a very long while. As a matter of fact, when I decided to change the song that I was originally going to sing this morning from Redeemer to God Forbid, I couldn't find the accompaniment CD for God Forbid. And I remembered that I actually had the cassette tape accompaniment. So if that tells you how long it's been since I've performed that song, uh, the more that I worked on the notes from my message, the louder I would sing that song. And I realized that there is a message in that song that needs to be incorporated into this message today. To quote the lyrics of the late, great Whitney Houston, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. The youth of our church are the future leaders of our church. The youth of our world are the future leaders of our world. As adults, mentors, and role models, we carry a great deal of responsibility to teach our children and youth how to become great adults, mentors, and role models for the next generation. I read a story not too long ago about a mother whose young child had just put two and two together and realized that there weren't many children on the ark. When the child asked the mother why, 
The only answer that she could come up with was their parents didn't make sure that they got on the ark. I'm a firm believer that our children's walk with Christ begins in the home. Not in the church, but in the home. I am happy to pick up where I can once your kids become youth members. And Joanna does an amazing job with our children here as children's minister. But it begins in the home. Of course, the home of non-believing parents would be an exception. But for those of us claiming to believe in the Christian faith, it begins with children watching their parents or guardians when they are behind closed doors and in the safety of their own homes. How do they see us act? How do they hear us speak? What are they seeing us read or watch on TV? How are they seeing us study the word? How are they witnessing us pray? With the busy lifestyle that I lead, I probably have the most productive quiet time with God when I'm driving alone in my car. About five years ago, I was driving home from work when this thought hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought to myself, for 20 years, you have devoted an enormous amount of time teaching youth members about Christ. How much quality time have you invested in your own children? I drove straight home from work, called my kids into one room, and we talked about accepting Jesus as their Savior and what it means to be saved. They had an idea. They knew the concept. But I had never taken the time to sit down and truly explain it to them. They both asked Christ into their hearts that day. It was a beautiful day that has given me great relief and much less fear for what each following day may hold. Pastor Chris said in a sermon not too long ago that we basically have 13 years to raise our children. And I have reverted back to those words often. Those words are very true. My children have now both reached the age of 13. And I can assure you that they now take the word of others long before accepting what I have to say to be true. The teenage years are hard. Peer pressure is hard. Figuring out who you are is hard. Standing up for what you believe in this world is hard. As hard as all of that is for those being raised by Christian families and in the Christian church, can you imagine how much harder those things are for the unbeliever? While I spend much more time offering ideas as to, as to why it is important to train our children um, to lean on Christ instead of me spending much more time. This is where my detour takes place. I've been a youth leader since the summer of 1995. I'm going into my 26th year of ministry this year. More than half of my life, I have worked with teens and tried to help them build and strengthen their relationship with Christ. One thing that I have noticed over those 26 years, is that we have a habit of sugarcoating who God is to our teens. We focus on God, Jesus, our forever present friend, but we tend to omit God, Jesus, our ever present authority figure and king. When I first began working in youth ministry, I was 19 years old. So there were times that I wanted to fit in with the group and be accepted as the cool leader. 
I've been guilty of focusing on Jesus, my friend, and not Jesus, my Lord. While the thought of having God as your closest friend is a comforting thought, sometimes we feel so comfortable in our relationship with God that we forget that he is more than our friend. He is also the one true sovereign God. As I grew in my relationship with Christ, I began teaching more about God, the great authority figure. It is important to make learning about, God's, about God interesting and to understand that God loves us and wants a relationship with us. But when the word friend is used more than the words of an authority figure, I think sometimes we unintentionally cause others to start viewing their relationship with God as they do their earthly relationships. I don't know about you, but earthly Amy can get a little selfish. I know that the need to focus on God our, I know that the need to focus on God our friend when talking to teens stems from the fact that most teenagers and young adults already know everything. And the thought of an authoritative God has the potential of making life a little less fun. So, when we are trying to encourage others to believe or have faith in a God that they cannot physically see, hear, or touch, we want it to sound as appealing as possible. Teenagers and some adults have an issue with authority. Submission is considered a bad word when you're on the verge of independence. So, in order to keep teens and some adults interested in God, we lean less on his authority and more on being his friend. Let me stop right here and explain that I believe God, our friend, is the best friend a person could have. So it is imperative that we make sure that our youth understand the importance of that relationship. No other gods of other religions claim to be a friend. The relationship God forms with us is a huge part of what sets our faith apart from other religions. But if we fail this generation by only speaking of the gentle, friendly side of God, what other truths will be omitted to future generations? The words to the song, God forbid, are, The more I know your power, Lord, the more I'm mindful. How casually we speak and sing your name. How often we have come to you with no fear or wonder and called upon you only for what we stand to gain. Lord, I often talk about your love and mercy, how it seems to me your goodness has no end. It frightens me to think that I could take you for granted. You are closer than a brother. You are more than just a friend. God forbid that I find you so familiar that I think of you as less than who you are. God forbid that I should speak of you at all without a humble reverence in my heart. Teenagers, how do you think of God? How do you speak of God? Do you express his name with a humble reverence in your heart? Do you show him respect when you speak of him? Do you use his name in vain? Do you worry about disappointing him. God is referred to as Yahweh, the self-existent one. He has always existed and will always 
exist. The Trinity, three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Abba, Father, Almighty, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Sovereign God, the only true God. The great I am, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, Redeemer, Savior of our souls, Protector, and yes, friend. Some questions that I ask myself when working with teenagers sound a lot like this. Are we teaching our youth the proper way to respect God? Are we making sure they understand that he is not some grand wish granter in the sky? Are we teaching them what an awesome big deal it is that God knows our most personal, embarrassing, and unsavory thoughts and moments, and he still loves us? Are we teaching them that when we mess up, it's heartbreaking to God? Because he has such high hopes for his children. Do they know that he has high expectations for us through the form of free will? That's the biggest gift he can give us. We have the option to follow him. We have the option to love him. He granted us with free will. And he expects big things to come out of that from us. Do they understand that the same God who created the heavens and the earth thought the world wouldn't be complete without one of you? Do they understand that this same God that they can pray to and tell their deepest, darkest secrets to is also to be feared because of his unmatched power? Are these truths instilled enough in our youth so that they will not grow relaxed in their respect for who God is. I am not ashamed to admit that I have a healthy fear or respect for God. He is my very best friend, but he is also my authority. He is the one that I will answer to at the end of my life, and my desire is that he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. I have wrapped my head around the fact that he controls everything and he is still my friend. The youth are our future. They will someday, sooner than we realize, be making decisions about this church that we all love so dearly. They will someday be teaching the next generation to be the next up-and-coming leaders of this church. What can you do, congregation, to invest in them? Of course, we always begin with prayer, so I would ask that each of you add these young adults to your prayer list if they are not already there. There are youth members that attend on Wednesdays that you may not even know because they were invited by a friend, but they are a permanent part of our group. Be sure to remember those members as well. Pray for their relationships with God to be true and genuine. Be a cheerleader for them. Let them know that you see their worth. Leave them a note, letting them know you're thinking of them. And every chance you get, instill some bits of truth in them. Don't sugarcoat the truth. This pandemic has made it difficult to stay in the habit of church. Make sure that your youth know that worship and Bible study are always priorities. 
And if you haven't seen some in a while, make sure they know that their absence is noticed and they are missed. And that doesn't just apply to the young, to the young people, to our youth members. There are adults that need to know that we miss them, that we notice that they're not here, and we miss seeing them, and that we appreciate and love them. If church isn't a priority when we're young, it will likely not be a priority when we're older. We have an amazing group of young adults, and I would just like to thank you guys for allowing me to be a part of their journey through faith.